So um, this is Transition Sunday. We get to move a little further on our board here. Uh, we have gone through recovery. Uh, we have done some renovation. In fact, as far as the church goes, we're still kind of in the midst of it a little bit. But I can't believe how much we've gotten accomplished. I'm going to get off track here just <laughs> Uh, shortly here, but we have done so much. We have painted the hallway. We've done things in the foyer, which is just amazing. We have sheetrocked this up here. We have um, did flower bed stuff. We've done uh, painted the classroom. Uh, we have power washed the outside of the building. We painted the the floors, uh, we have, well, I keep saying we, it, it is we, like it's all of us participating, but there's obviously individual names on each of these things that I just mentioned. We've painted our shed, which is eventually going to be the same color as our building, um, and uh, super excited about that. And hopefully, just as like this building, like renovation has begun, right? Hopefully that is what God, the Holy Spirit, is doing in us, is in the process of renovating some areas in our own lives, our own individual inside lives, because what God is wanting for us is for us to be more like Jesus all the time. He has called us, be holy as I am holy, and uh, that's what we are wanting to do. Spirit, you do what you want with us. You, you want to renovate us, here we are, uh, and allowing it to be done, and hopefully that is taking place. And so where we started, as uh, the whole thing is, is we're trying to recover the missions, uh, mission of God, because we got interrupted last year when we started this. Uh, his vision, or his mission, our vision, uh, got completely derailed, and so we're back to it. So we're We're just picking up the pieces. That's what recovery was about. We moved to renovation, and we don't know what that's about. Just letting the Holy Spirit have his work in us. And today we get to transition in this reconnecting. And to be honest with you, when we were way over here, I couldn't wait to get to this one. Uh, Because reconnecting, you know, just getting back to to where we were and even maybe taking it to a whole nother level is what I'm hoping uh, but reconnecting, you know, trying to get back to we are acting like family and getting to be like family again without masks, which isn't that amazing? We were over here, we were still wearing those things, right? And now I don't think there's anybody in this room that is wearing one today. And I pray that that is, remains that way, you know, that we don't have to back up in that way. But, but that feels so good to be in a place that we have the freedom to reconnect. Uh, this is last week, or last week, yesterday, uh, we met my family, so my mom and dad, my brother, and, and several of his kids, uh, and all of my family, Micah and Carrie and Cole and Andrew and Jeremiah and, and everybody, uh, met at Independence with my parents, and we just spent the whole day. I, we were there like six and a half hours just in one of the shelters, riding the miracle round. Uh, in fact, the, when it first opened up, the kids were over at the zoo, right? And so Jeff and I were like, let's go get on this thing, and we'll take pictures and video, and we'll show them, like, you're missing out. You better get back, you know, because the little ones, they couldn't wait for that thing to open. 
So Jeff, Jeff gets on one of the horses. I dare not. I just hung on to two horses going up and down, you know. Um, but he's on one of the horses, so I'm videoing him. And my mom, who can't hardly walk, uh, bless her heart, she makes her way over to the fence, and she, she says something like, uh, kids, look at mommy, look at mommy, like she's going to take a picture of us. And some lady just started cracking up and embarrassed me, of course. I was like, I felt a little awkward just being on the thing in the first place. But uh, so anyway, um, but it was such a good time to reconnect is all I'm getting at. And I am so excited about that. Today is the beginning of this new series that we're in. And guess what we get to do? We get to celebrate tonight. I mean, we're going to celebrate, you know, just this freedom we have to live in an amazing country that we live in. Um, but, uh, but we're going to get together. We're going to eat. We already got the table set back here. We're going to come in here and worship just for a short period of time. Then we're going to go out and eat homemade ice cream. And for those who want to stay, we're going to have water games out in the, in the yard. We're going to have some fireworks to end it. And so hopefully you'll come back. Uh, bring anybody that you would like to, and we'll begin this reconnecting thing. You know, talking about just the country and the freedom, uh, you know, no doubt we have our issues, right? And we voice those often. And sometimes we get frustrated with what's going on at the, at the hill, they call it, uh, and things of that sort. But the reality is we all know we still have an amazing place that we get to live. Um, and, uh, and today we get to celebrate, you know, that we are free. We are free to come into a place like this. We're free to worship. We're, we're just, we have it pretty good. Uh, and most of the world uh, doesn't have it this way. Um, but uh, that's an awesome thing to remember. But I'm going to use that to transition to something even greater than that. So we live in a great country, no doubt. But God has provided a way for us to have a country that is even greater than. You know, he calls it a kingdom. Um, and, you know, that's what we just sang about. All of these songs that we just sang, you know, we, there, there was all these fireworks and, and things in the, in the background in the midst of it. But that one that we were singing, you know, about being free, uh, just reminding ourselves of we, we have freedom in our country, but how much amazing and how much greater freedom we have in Jesus Christ that has freed us from our sins, who has given us ultimate freedom. And that is for everyone, right? Not just for the United States of America. There's people in, in China that gets to celebrate that today. There's people in you know, India, they get to celebrate that today. I mean, that freedom is everywhere, and it's a kingdom that God has brought to this world. Uh, and so that is awesome. I want to talk to you about the church today, because as we reconnect, this makes sense that we would talk about the church reconnecting. Uh, one of the ways that we reconnect is by belonging together. Um, and uh, the church is, is God's version of country, I think, in a sense. I mean, at least we could kind of uh, see it in that way today. Um, so I want to talk to you about that. Here, here's some things that I came across. 
So a, a little boy said, Dad, did Grandpa make you go to Sunday school when you were my age? He said, and his father says, he sure did. We went every Sunday. And the little boy said sadly, well, I bet it won't do me any good either. <laughs> One Sunday morning, two men are in a boat fishing, and after several hours without catching anything, one of them spoke up and says, you know what, we should have just stayed home with church. And he says, well, I could have stayed home, but I couldn't have gone to church. And the guy says, well, why couldn't you have gone to church? He says, because my wife's sick. You have to think about that one for a minute. <laughs> he can go fishing on his own. He just can't go to church on his own. Grace Davidson told her four-year-old granddaughter, uh, I mean, took her four-year-old granddaughter to, to big church, right? And so they're sitting in big church. She finally made it as four-year-old. And she's doing just perfectly. She's, she's just hanging in there, you know, saying pretty attentive what's going on. And, and the, the pastor offers this prayer, and he, and he just says something like this. He just says, uh, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. And the little girl's eyes got huge and says, Granny, they're going to give us presents. <laughs> she was excited. Anyway, the whole point of all of those is that there's, just a, there's a lot of like thoughts and perspectives when it comes to church, like how people see church. Everybody can see it in a different light. You know, some people can see it like the little boy. Well, it's not going to do me any good either, probably. You know, some people like, you know, well, I can, I can participate as long as these conditions are there. Or, or you know, what is it that I'm going to get, you know, and there's some excitement that is going on in it. But, uh, but the reality is, is that... Uh, all of the perspectives we have on church, the only perspective that really matters is God's perspective about the church. Because the church belongs to him. It, it, we are his. We belong to him. And so I just want us to look today at what is, what is the Bible's perspective? What is God's perspective on the church? And so uh, I have one point uh, today. It's, and uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we're going to read through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 12 through 24. And the point is just this. The church is a place to belong. It is, it is a place to, to be a part of and to feel like you have a family, a connection. And I want to read to you this because this is... This is Paul finishing up one of his books to the church in Corinth. And he has to deal with a lot of family issues, right? And he, he goes through in that. But at the end of this letter that he writes to the church, it really kind of sums up his heart. And it, even anytime you had a, have to have a conversation, a family conversation, like, hey, we got to have a family. I don't know about your house, but when we have that, our kids are like, oh, no. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not like, yay, it's like, what have we done? You know, what's going on? Uh, and sometimes you have to have those family conversations, maybe over the phone or, or texting or email or something. And sometimes you just have to deal with things. But anytime you do, if you've ever done that, you always want to leave it in a positive way to remind people how awesome it is to be a part of family and how much you love them or or any, anything of that sort. And I think, I think that's what Paul is doing here, is, he is 
he's just re, he's encouraging. He's, he's leaving it on a very high note. And so I want us to look at that here for a moment because it is, I find it very encouraging. So 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12, it says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to visit with you and with the other brothers, but it was not at, at all his but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts of Achaia, and that they had devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker in labor. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus, Fortunatus and Archaicus because they had made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The church of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla together with the church in their home, send you healthy, hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accused. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. So first, I just want to say today, and we will go through uh, some other aspects uh, next week, but, the, but I just want to remind us that the church is a place to belong. And didn't you see that all the way through? He's talking about people, all different places that are just, these people send you greetings, these people send you love. Uh, Paulus is going to come when he has opportunity to come. And he's just reminded them that we are all part of something amazing. Now, we have our own little part right here. It's Westside Christian Church, and, and we are connected in spirit with, you know, this huge church body that, that makes up God's family. But every Christian, even though we have this huge church, every Christian needs to find a place that they belong, right? Um, and every church needs to belong to a church. And as he's going through here, even though he's talking about all of these different places that are sending you greetings, he's talking about established groups of people who are doing ministry together, who are being a church right here where they are and realize that they are part of something even larger. And I just want to remind you that it's important for us to, to be where we, God has placed us. You know, for many of us, this is, this is here. It's Westside Christian Church. And that we, you know, we realize that this is where God wants me to, to grow and to help others grow and to love and to, and to be. You know, I, I once uh, asked a fellow, you know, that uh, went to church, I said, oh, um, oh, where do you go to church? And he says, you know, I don't, I don't really belong to a church. I, I don't belong to any particular church. I just go here or there. You know, the Bible doesn't speak about that kind of Christian. And that's not what this scripture is speaking about either. 
You know, God doesn't want us to be gypsies where we don't feel like we have a place that we belong or that we have a place that, that we are committed to and are connected to. Um, the, one of the things that makes the church strong is that we operate like family. You know, that we operate as a, a group uh, uh, that, and, and working together and laboring together and, and about some of this, you know, just participating together. It, that's what makes us strong, is having that kind of attitude. You know, people who float in our community, like in our society uh, in the United States, people who float from family to family to to family sometimes, what, what do we call them? We have a name. Foster kids, right? It's like they don't really have a place that, that they really feel like is, is theirs. They feel like it, it's theirs for a period of time, maybe, maybe for a week, maybe for a year, maybe for a while, you know, longer than that. But, it, but they just are, never feel like settled, like super connected. When, when we went through the training the second time, because we've gone through it a couple times now, when we went through it the second time, there were several of you from the church that took it also. And, and one of the videos that they had us watch, because we watched a lot of videos and, and had conversations about, you know, just being a part of the foster system, uh, one of the, the ones that I never could get out of my head that was very impactful, in fact, it was an older video, when you watch it, you can tell that they made this thing like in the 70s maybe or something. I don't know. Um, but it was super powerful. And it was this, this older teen. Um, he was like 18, if, you know, somewhere around there. He was just about to graduate from high school. And he's been with this foster mom. I think it was a single mom if I remember that right. But, it, uh, but he was with this this lady for quite some time, and she loved this, this child, and this child has been in and out of foster homes all of his life, right? And, and it was just a sad, you know, I just remember, I don't remember all the details of his journey, but I just remember it being really tough, and he's just been floating from place to place and place, and the only thing he ever wanted was just a place that, that was like where he could really, you know, feel like he is a part of a family. This woman wanted, she loved him, she was committed to him, she would have loved to have adopted him, but she didn't want to at his age. And the reason is, is because the foster system, when, when they, if they never get out of and are adopted out of the system, then the government, state or however that works, will take care of a whole lot of different things for them at that point. And I don't remember all the things that that entails. But one of them is, is that you can go to college all the years that you want to go to college for free. Now, this woman didn't have a lot of money. If she would have adopted him at 18, you can see what had happened. It would take away any of those privileges that he would have had just hanging in there for a short more period of time. But as she, you know, knew his heart, she knew that he longed to have somebody adopt him, just to feel that sense of belonging, that sense of family. And, and she knew that that's what he wanted, but she was in such a dilemma herself on whether that was actually the best thing for him. And through that struggle, 
he expressed to her that I don't care about, and, and this is like most kids, right? They don't think about the, the future and necessarily the consequences of decisions now, and that's what she was afraid of. I know you want me to adopt you, and I know how much you want this, but was that really the best thing for him? Because I won't be able to pay for all four years of his college, you know, or if he goes beyond or anything like that. She wouldn't be able to do that. She ends up adopting this kid. Uh, He loses those things, but he didn't care a bit. And if you watch the video, and I can't convey it the the way that that video touched my life, but but the reason I tell you is because you really sense what it means for somebody who hasn't ever experienced family, never experienced belonging truly, what it feels like for the first time. God is wanting to, he, he, he established a church to, to um, be a family for his orphans, to be a family for his children. Because what, what is God in, in the midst of? He is a father who, is a, who has one begotten son and has adopted everyone else. And he treats us like we are his own. He treats us not, not, you know, anything other than the same level. In fact, he has shown us that love. Why? By giving his own son that we might be a part of this. And I just want to remind you, as we talk about belonging, just what we have in Jesus. Belonging is... A, is is such an important aspect of church. And if we miss it, if we don't, if we're not reminded of it, then then we can we can forget the importance of what we have as a church. I want to read to you, I want I want to read to you about this. The Bible describes our beautiful day of adoption. Just what I, I was trying to express to you a moment about this, this young man. But this is what the Bible says about our adoption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I just, I just want you to, to let that sink in for a moment here. That he chose us before the foundations of the world for us to be part of his family. He chose how and, and the actions that he was going to have to partake, you know, take of in order for that to be accomplished. The sacrifice that he did on our behalf so that we could, be, we could be in a family and we could feel rooted and we could feel like we belong. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He's not talking about our action that we should we should straighten up and we should get our act together and we should be holy and blameless before him. That's not that what he's talking about. He's, say, he's saying, I chose you so that I can make you that way. 
I chose you before the foundation of the world that I would rescue you. I would make you holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. That I would save you. And just as that child that I was just telling you about, how he must have felt when somebody finally came along and, and gave him a place that he could feel like he belongs. How he must have felt towards that is how we should feel in, in such a greater sense, how we should feel about this holy God who has created a place for us to belong. Listen to what the next verse says. It says, in love... He predestined us. And you know, we don't know everything about predestined, but we know that it was a, it's a forward thought, a forward thing. Like he, he already put in action what was going to happen in the future. And in his love, that's what was created, that, that created all this action, this forward action, what he was going to put in place in the future. In love, he predestined us for what? For adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. He was going to put us on the same plane as Jesus himself. Put us in the same family, treat us the same way. And I just want you to let that sink in for a moment. We have heard these things so much that we just need to pause and let it sink in for a moment. This holy God has given us freedom from, from dysfunction, from disconnection. He has connected us. He has given us a place to belong, a place to be loved. He goes on, he says, according to the purpose of his will, it was his will that moved all of this, to the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah, we praise him for what he's done, his grace that he's given us, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And what does that mean, in the beloved? In the church, right? In the family, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Just remember that for a moment, because we're going to connect some dots here for a little bit. But making known to us the mystery of his will, it is a mystery. It is something that we get together every week and just marvel about and contemplate this God who has done this according to his purpose, which he set forth in whom? In Jesus. He accomplished all this in Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him. Unite, connect, right? Things in heaven and things on earth. And here, I just want to get to some really cool, amazing part, too. I mean, like, I don't want to stop there because verse 11, should, if you haven't gotten excited yet, you should get really excited about this. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. We were just adopted into a family that is amazing. The Father is so good. So loving, 
treats us like his very one and only begotten son. And he is really rich. And he has a lot to give to his siblings as an inheritance. And he wants, he is, he's a giver, right? He's excited that he has so much to give to his children. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose. There it is again, because this was all his, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who is the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In other words, he has given us so much, we have so much, we want to give back. There's just this something in us that wants to love back because we have been loved so much. We, we want to love back because we've been rescued from so much. There's just an, an, an attitude of gratitude here. But trying to flip back for a moment, we should have an attitude of gratitude for all those who have given us a country like we have that have paid the price and stuff. There should be this. If there's not, I get that we disagree and we can, you know, we can have these debates and I think that's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. But we should not ever end the day and lay our head without realizing that there should be an attitude of gratitude for all that we have. How much more so should there always be an attitude of gratitude for a, a, a heavenly father who has given us all that we have in Christ Jesus. We know that the inheritance, the big part of the inheritance is coming. It's not yet here. But I have inherited so much already just being a part of Jesus Christ. I know he has, he has saved me from doing the, some of the stupidest stuff. I was talking to a guy just a couple days ago about this, and we were just talking in great lengths that my life, if I would have kept living it the way I was living it at 20, I can't even imagine where I would be. I'd be in the same boat as the guy I was talking to on the phone. There's nothing, there's nothing so good about me that I couldn't have screwed this thing up really well. I already had it pretty screwed up by 20. I know that he has already given me so much. I've inherited so much by being a part of this family. And, and, and I have been blessed so much by being a part of his family. And so there's just this attitude. In him, let's just finish this real quick here. And it says, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit that we've been talking about for weeks on end, he, he is a gift from this Father to just show us that we belong and that we, what, that we have this promised inheritance that is coming. Belong to what? That we belong to God. He is our Father. That we belong to His church, to each other. We have... We have Jesus, Jesus claims this as his brother. 
we claim Jesus as our God. But, but he, is, he has created family. We, have, we call each other brothers and sisters all the time. You know, later in the book of Ephesians, when it was talking about our adoption, that we went through that, later in the book, in chapter 5, it says to us, it says that we, we are told to, to, us men, us husbands, are told to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? How did Jesus love the church? He died for her, is what it says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, who gave himself up for her. How important do you think that Jesus thinks of the church? he's, he's, He's trying to get across something to us in that passage of Scripture. And, and we zero in on, like, our behavior towards our wife or our wife's behavior towards us. And that's, that's good. I'm not saying that. But really what he's trying to do in the midst of making that comparison is he's trying to show you and teach you how important that Jesus, the importance that Jesus places on the church. And the reason I say that, because if we went to that passage of Scripture down towards the end he says this is a great mystery remember i told you remember verse nine there because he says this is a great mystery but i'm not talking about husband and wife i'm talking about the church and he's trying to teach us about jesus and his church and how much does jesus love the church so much so that he gave his life for the church what should that do for us church it should give us a sense of attitude back towards him, an attitude of gratitude. And that's why it, it's, it's teaching us, you know, just as wives submit to their husbands and everything, so the church should submit to Christ and everything. He's trying to teach us that our, our attitude towards Christ should be this of submission to him. Why? Because he loves us so much. If I've ever seen a wife have a difficult time Submitting to their husband is because the husband does a terrible job of loving their wife as Christ loved the church. And by the way, who went first? Did the church go first and say, I'm going to love you, Jesus? And then Jesus says, okay, I'll love you back. I'll die for you. No. Jesus always goes first. In fact, first John tells us that he loved us first, Right? And any husband I've ever seen love his wife with great zeal and great intensity. I've always seen a wife come alongside and love and respect and, and submit to their husband. It's not that hard. But the point is about that passage is, again, it's Jesus has done that for the church, loves the church that much. It would not make sense for us to not submit to Christ in everything. Every Christian needs a church that they are a member of. He wants his people to belong. 
He wants his people to not just be long like clocking in and, yep, got my week taken care of. I should be good until next week. You know, this is going to sound crazy. To me, it sounds crazy. Maybe it won't sound crazy to you, but I remember reading an article. I remember even telling you about this from the pulpit, but when, when the pandemic was really hitting hard and they asked all the churches uh, to shut down. Um, there was an article that came out and the, and the Pope had said for the, the, the Catholics that uh, he was going to go ahead and give forgiveness to all of the, I don't know what they call uh, their, their people, parishioners or something like that, but, but uh, he was going to give them extended forgiveness. They don't have to come to church they don't have to come to confession uh, for a period of time, get back with you on the, well, all that, you know, kind of thing. But, but there was just this, uh, you're good to go. And we had um, a funeral here recently, uh, Charlie's funeral, and I was back there talking to um, David, who goes to the Catholic Church here, and he says, I, got, I, I, I have to go back to church now because they have no longer extended the forgiveness of sins. I was, I thought, I mean, I, anyway, I don't know. The church is, is God's family. The church, as we look and from Jesus' perspective, it is his bride. He, he did everything he could to save and rescue his bride. We, the Bible paints this picture that we are family. You know, it uses all this verbiage and all of this language to help us understand that we should call each other brother. We should call each other sister. We should see ourselves as, as family. We should operate in that way, with that kind of love, with that kind of commitment. And, and when we are operating that way, it, it means that we all have our place to play, you know, our, our role to play. Everybody is a participant. When, we were, when, when our kids were itty-bitty and crawling on the floor, they, they strung out everything. Right, Connor? I mean, everything. And, and when playtime was over, that was all good. But when playtime was over, there was a period of time that we just picked it up for them. Actually, we got it out, and we're the ones who messed it all up. You know, we scattered it all, and then we pick it up. But at some point in time, we start realizing that they need to participate, right? And, and so, uh, Landon, you can help me out on this too, right? But you, at some point, you start saying, okay, Jolie, come on, it's time to pick up, you know? Emma, it's time to pick up. And, and they, you want them to participate. At some point, you'd quit participating. That's just their role now. They get it out, they're going to put it up kind of thing, right? And why, why do we do that? Are we trying to be mean to them? No, we're just trying to teach them that we're family. And when, when family is operating beautifully, everybody is a participant. Everybody is just connected and everybody is doing their part. If you're 21 years old, 
right, Andrew? I think if you're 21 years old and you're not picking your toys up anymore, it's a little frustrating. But Andrew is amazing. He went and unloaded my mower because it's attached to my truck today and undid my trailer because the seat was wet and I was already dressed and everything. And, and that's just what families do, right? There's just this, there's just this, you get into kind of, uh, I don't know, a groove where everybody knows their part. You have chores at our house. I bet most of you do. I mean, like, like uh, um, I don't know. I mean, Lori doesn't crawl into the car and change the oil. But I don't fold clothes, you know. I mean, we all have parts to play. We all share in some. I have done some cooking. <laughs> Lori, I don't want to say we share in that because that wouldn't be true. But, but she also helps with the garage some, okay, but the point is, is that we are just family working together. In some places, we are right there equally together. Some places, we're not quite equal. In some places, we're not equal at all. But we all are praying apart in this. Why would we be any different, church? Why would we be any different, family? This is what we are. I didn't create this. Jesus Christ created it. He died that we would be family, that we would have a place that we belong. I just want to go back to the 1 Corinthians 16 for a moment. Just look at, highlight some words for you, and then we will close this out. And I just want you to know that belonging, it's a privilege to belong to a family. And he's made it possible that we all belong. But there is this responsibility too. You know, it is just plain rebellion, I think, if we refuse to have the opportunity to belong, and yet we refuse to belong. You know, I don't need the church. They don't do anything for me. Well, it's not just about what they do for you, it's about what you do for them too. And and. We've all seen families like that, too, where kids just are refusing to participate as a family. And, but it's always got this spirit of rebellion about them, right? And maybe some of that's justified in dysfunction families. But that's not us, church. We have the best father ever. We don't have a dysfunctional father we have the most loving Father ever. So if we have an attitude, it is definitely on our part and not justified. So, why is it? What is it that a, a, a foster child is looking for anyway? If a foster child really is having this desire to belong, what are they looking for? Would they say, well, I'm just looking for a place that I can do chores. I just love chores. I live for chores. No. I just want to sacrifice. I just want to, I just want to find a place that they will use me as much as they want. Like, you know, I just want to feel, you know, used and abused. That's, that's where I live for. No. What is it that they're looking for? They're looking for unconditional love. They're looking for commitment. They're looking for a place to belong. 
And when they find those, they don't mind the chores. They don't mind the sacrifice. Listen to just a few things here. Let's highlight a few things. I want you to notice first the word brother in our scripture, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning our brother Apollos, that's how it starts off, verse 12, right? Brother. I looked up that word like the literal translation meaning, and it just means this, a male, in, in parentheses, or, uh, yeah, parentheses uh, believer, understood as one's own sibling in God's family. Sometimes used of any sibling, regardless of gender, in God's family. Okay? So that's what a brother is. Sometimes it's used as a male who is a member of God's family. And sometimes it's just used generically in a sense that it means male or female, part of God's family. Now, I know that the NIV tried to update their translation and tried to fix some of that gender stuff, but but the, the Bible was never trying to leave women out. It's just that sometimes the Bible, it, it, before we got all upset about this stuff, it was just used brother, meaning family of God. All of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. So if we're in 12, we'll go down a few verses. It says, now I urge you, brothers. Now this is a place that it's not talking about males. The one above, when it says, now concerning your brother Apollos, can you imagine what sex he is? He's a male. So that's one of the places that's referring to, you know, a, a male brother in Christ. But here in, in verse 15, now I urge you brothers, he's not talking about just the males in the church. Now he's talking about all of us. But why do I bring that up? Because I just bring it up because what it's really trying to convey to us is that we are what to each other? We're siblings, right? We're siblings. We, we belong to God. He's our father. We're his family. I want you also to note, because this leads into something else, and that is I want you to notice the commitment that is expected for God's family. Look at verse 15. Now I urge you, brothers... You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they, I underlined this, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Now, what does Stephanus, the first converts of, of the church, do? They devoted themselves to the service of who? To the community? No, to, to the saints. In other words, to their other brothers and sisters in the church. And then look what he says. Be subject. Now he's talking to the church there in Corinth. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. In other words, do, do just the same thing. So there's two, two things that I want to pull out of that. One is, is that every one of us here, if we believe that we are in Christ Jesus, if we believe that Jesus saved us from our sins and that God is our Father, every one of us should come away with understanding this, that you now have the responsibility to be devoted. 
You have the responsibility to be devoted to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be responsible to be devoted to a church, a group of people that you call family and that you can be plugged into and that you can do your part. God doesn't want just a bunch of freeloaders. I don't know. That's probably pretty harsh. Maybe that's a wrong thing to say. I don't know. But he all wants us to play a part. I mean, if I were to have a family (laughs) huddle, which we've had these huddles, I get a little harsh at times. And I say kind of harsh stuff like that. Look, guys, y'all going to play a part. If you don't want to play a part, then go find you another home. You know, go make your own home. You want me to help you? I will give you transportation there, but then you're on your own for new transportation. And I know my kids are just like, is he serious? And I don't know how serious I am. You know what I mean? Like if they were to call me on my bluff, I don't know what I would do because I love them so much. But my point is, is that I just want everybody to participate. And God wants everybody to participate. This is somebody's confession about the church. I thought it was really good. It says this, this is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It, it will be friendly if I am. It will, be a, it will do great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into the fellowship if I bring them. It's, it seats well. Its seats will fill if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love and faith and service if I, I who make it what it is am filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. Let me tell you something. When, when every one of us, even just a few of us actually, life is better with that attitude, but when every one of us, can you imagine, that'd be a dream home. Would not everybody look into that and be like, man, I wish I had parents like that. I wish, I wish I belonged to a family like that because they are committed to each other. They show devotion to each other. They love each other. I want a family like that. And don't you know, isn't that what God is trying to create? Something that when people look from the outside in, that they want to be a part of that family. And this is the attitude for which they get it. It depends on every one of us. And here's the, the thing about well, not only are we supposed to be devoted to each other, but be subject. So, so a man was marooned on a, you know, a desolate island, and after he had been there for five years, he was found and rescued. When they rescued him, they, they noticed that he had three huts, and so they were questioning him, like, is anybody else here? And he's like, no, it's just me. It's been me for five years. He's like, well, what's, what's the three huts for? And he's like, well, that hut over there is where I live. That hut over there is where I go to church. And that hut over there is where I used to go to church. (laughs) You know, the only 
thing that that could possibly mean is that the guy has a hard time submitting, right? For him to get upset and build him a new hut is he just wasn't happy with himself. But the, but the reality is, is most issues that come along that cause us to go find a new hut has got to do more with us than it's got to do with God's hut, his church. And, and if you're involved with a strong family, and I hope that you are, I'm talking about you know your biological family, then then it is not that it didn't take some effort to stay healthy. It's not that you always got along. You had to work at it. You had to work at forgiveness. You had to work at getting along. You had to say, I'm sorry. You had to go, you know, let go of your way and just let it be. I mean, it took some effort because there's not a family that I've ever come across Definitely not our family. That was, that was, didn't take work. It didn't take a lot of submission. It's not an ugly word, by the way. It's a healthy word. It's a needed word. It's a good word. The church is a group of people. It's a people that are family. And that's why all the way through this section, I just love all the things that it says. It says, greet one another with a... Holy kiss. A kiss of forgiveness. A kiss of commitment. A kiss of belonging. A kiss that is healthy. It's a holy kiss. Greet one another that way. Paul says this. He says, I mean, Paul, Paul talks about there at the end about his devotion to them. And he is devoted. That's why he's writing to them. That's why he's traveling. Is because he loves the church. Why does he love the church? Because of he was shown a bright light that Jesus, and he came to the salvation in Jesus, and he's just like, I will serve this church, I will serve this family with the rest of my life. I am committed to this. And he expresses that here. He expresses Apollos' concern for them that he's going to come. He's, it's just not working out with his opportunities right now. He talks about the church in Asia, and the Asia, church in Asia sends you greetings. And he talks about uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila and their love for the church. Why? Because they're family. This is a family. Reconnection starts with that understanding that we are family. We have found our place to belong. We have found our place to connect. And we must be devoted to one another and we must be in subjection to one another. That's why the Bible says for the elders, don't lord it over them like you see, you know, like the pagans do or the people outside the church do. You are to be their, their servants. You're supposed to serve, and our elders do. Our elders do. They're the first ones who are here when we have work days, when we have spiritual things going on, when they are here to serve. They've never used their 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 leadership as a way of lording over they never made me feel that way either they they do it the way that they have been instructed and that attitude should filter down to all of us if anyone he here's how he concludes it he says if anyone has no love for the lord let him be accused 
Why? Because that would not even make sense. How can you be in Christ and recognize that he died so that you could have eternal life and your sins forgiven and not have this commitment to what he died to create, which is the church. It's his bride. How we treat each other is he takes it personally, right? He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Be watchful, stand firm, it says in verse 13, in the faith, act like men. In other words, all he's saying is do your part. He's not leaving women out in this scenario. He's just saying do your part, act like mature people. That's what he's trying to say. Be strong. Let all of us, let all that you do, do, all that you do be done in love. So, let me just conclude. Do you, do you remember, those of you who are married, do you remember back when the first time that you took your bride-to-be, your, I mean, you didn't even probably at that point even know that it was going to be your bride-to-be or your, your husband-to-be, but do you remember the, the first time you took that person you ended up marrying back to introduce them to your family? Do you remember that? I remember that, thank you to my little brother, Danger. I remember that. I might have forgotten it, you know, what it was like if it wasn't for him, so hey, God used him. But, but I remember that. What I remember, and, and also I kind of remember that because Micah just recently did that. Um, you know, Micah is engaged, um, and it took me back to, you know, uh, uh, Carrie and Cole's, you know, connection and I remember our conversation Cole at the barbecue place you know um, he was really nervous back then Um, I was trying to make it easy on him maybe I don't remember but um, but uh, but those were significant things right and and the thing that I remember most is is I just remember like you you love this person so much you really like them a lot you know you, you you maybe you don't know for sure where it's going but you're thinking you know where it's going and you what you want more than anything is you want your parents to approve and to love but you want them to be like on their best behavior right cuz you're wanting not only the approval but you're wanting this person to love your family as much as you love your family. Because the reality is, is that we love our, even if our family is so dysfunctional, we still love them. We overlook so much flaws, right? Because they're family. And anyway, my story in a nutshell, I went home with Lori. I was just praying, God, please let them be on good behavior. And everybody was besides the little dinger. And he saw it as an opportunity to give back to me. Because when I was growing up, there was a period of time, a long period of time, almost to high school age, that I could take my brother, younger brother, and my bigger brother, and I could just pretty much rule over them, and they knew it. Um, but then Jeff started lifting weights, and that kind of went aside. But for Danger, it lasted pretty much all the way through our time at home. And here I come back, and at some point, he just outgrew me, like, big time through, towards the end of high school. 
And uh, here I come back. He knows I'm trying to make a great impression. And he sets on me, pins me down, right in front of Lori. I don't know where my parents were at this point. But here's this big man on me, pins me down. I am fighting for all I can. I cannot get him off me. And he goes, ah. <laughs> And this is something I used to do to him <laughs> way back. And you just let it go down, and you think it's just going to land on your face, and you suck it back up, and then you just let it go down. And this is, is this not going on, Lori? I thought this woman will leave and never, I'll never see her again. And he did that to me, and it was terrible. But the point I'm trying to make is just this. Not only are we family, but we're working together. And there's times that we will bring people into this place, and we have to recognize that, that if we've we got to give good impressions. We've got to be on our best behavior. Uh, fortunately, Lori, Lori loved me enough that she stayed with me, but you might just be bringing somebody that you work with. You might just be bringing somebody that's just an acquaintance, you know, kind of thing. And it's important that we help you love them and show them what family is like. I brought somebody with me uh, today, Joe, down here. Uh, and uh, I just met him at the hospital this past week. Um, and Joe and I, this lady brought Joe into the office there at the hospital when I was, I was doing my pastoral things there on Tuesday. And he just told me his story um, he's, he's originally from Germany. He's been in the United States for a long time, uh, more than most of his life. Um, and, uh, but anyway, he ends up in our neck of woods from Los Angeles. And he, he's been here for a little while. Um, but uh, as he's telling me a story, I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to figure out, because I know God is trying to do something, because that's just the way God is always in everything that I do. He's just in the midst of it. I know he is. And so I'm trying to figure it out. I can't figure it out. So when Joe gets done talking, I say, I say Joe, I say, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure this out, but I'm, I'm still confused on why this woman brought you to me. And I said, I said, are you need me to take you to Joplin? No, because we were talking about Joplin. I said, are you need me to help you get some money? And he's like, no. He says, you know, I don't know why she brought me to you. And so we're just both like, I don't know. So we just started talking and having this conversation. But, and then all of a sudden, it was just like a light bulb went on. I know why. Because Joe has, has uh, uh, he's 83. And he has been a cabinet maker all of his life. And I would have loved, loved to see some of your work, Joe. Um, but he told me that he has been so busy doing cabinets, he's never been to church. Um, but I see that what he needs is a family. He doesn't need religion. What he needs is what Jesus has built. He, he needs family. He needs friends. He needs people who love him and care for him and, and you know, encourage him. He needs what I have. And it was just like, all of a sudden, it was just like, it was a no-brainer. I said, Joe, you got to, you got to come to church with me. And so we talked about that, and I just drove him over here to the church, and I introduced him to Greg, and I introduced him to Gerald as he was heading out the door, and I introduced him to Jane. 
And, uh, and on the way home, he was talking to me about something his mom told him, and he was pointing to his stomach. And, and through that conversation, I realized that what he was saying is that he, he realizes, he might not know this God as well as I know this God yet, but he realizes that this wasn't by accident that this woman brought Joe to me and for us to get acquainted because he needs companionship. He needs to have a friend. And I, I'm looking for somebody to be a friend to. And, uh, and always looking for somebody to, to be part of this, you know, this connectedness that God has given us. Isn't that amazing, though? And so, be on your best behavior. Joe's here, right? <laughs> Give him a good impression. Uh, because, uh, you know, that's just what God wants us to do. I love our church. And, and I just, I love everything about it. Um, let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for family, for it being a place of belonging. Thank you so much, Lord, that it meets so many needs and so many of us. And the people that really find the benefit of the people that are, are connected, help us all see the importance of being connected. Help us, Father, to be good brothers and sisters in Christ to each other. Continue to, Father, just help us to be about your work, recovering your mission. Your plan is, has definitely been made known through the church, but it, it is not complete and won't be complete until Jesus comes back. So help us, Father, be laborers and be be people who are devoted and, and submissive in subjection to each other for your glory, for your praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's was Christ's mission when he came to this world, was that we may have life and have it to the fullest. He wants us to be close to him 
so that we can become one with him. Now, Jesus knows all about the pitfalls and sins of this life. Just as Paul, there in 1 Corinthians that Mike read, knew all about the pitfalls of the church members there. They had a lot of issues. He still wanted them to have life and have it to the fullest, just as Jesus wants for us. He doesn't want us to have a life that is... uh, That's purpose is collecting the accolades of this world or collecting the things of this world. But he wants us to have a purpose that is eternal in nature. I think we could say that the church, it's God's vehicle to get us or to transport us to this life of purpose. That was Paul's uh, vision of the church back there in Corinth was that it was a place to transport those Corinthians to eternal life. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's why he came. He wants us to have the joy of serving one another, of serving others like Joe, and of uh, investing in something that's worthwhile investing in something that is eternal. We come to this time of communion to remember what Jesus did to enable us to be a part of this church and to be able to have a life of eternal purpose. He came and and walked this earth, gave up the uh, glory in heaven to do that, and suffered and died for us. And we come to take this communion to remember that. We uh, eat this bread to remember his broken body. We drink this juice to remember his shed blood. Let's go to prayer at this time. Dear Lord, we do come to you with thankful hearts. Father, we are so thankful to be a part of this family that you have provided for us. We are so thankful for Jesus and for the love that you have for us to send him to this world in the nature of a man and for his willingness to do that. Father, we just pray that you would touch each of our hearts that uh, we might be more devoted to serving you through your church. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.